This podcast has been brought to you by AD Banker and Company. They help you meet your continuing education requirements with webinars that are not as boring as you'd think. Their live webinars are available weekly, year-round, over every topic, and with no final exams. Learn more at adbanker.com. Richard Such is a senior member of the Securities Litigation and Regulation Practice Group of Bresler, Amory, and Ross. Richard regularly represents investment advisors, broker-dealers, and banks defending an array of fraud-based claims. He defends clients in regulatory inquiries, arbitrations concerning securities transactions, and employment disputes. He has been in trials and hearings related to a diverse range of topics, including intellectual property, environmental contamination, voter fraud, closely held business disputes, probate matters, and others. The 25-plus attorneys in the Bresler Senior and Vulnerable Investor Group provide end-to-end advisory solutions and litigation support for clients confronting senior and vulnerable investor issues. Please welcome to our program, Richard Such. Well, Richard, it's great to have you on the program today. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Say, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Are you a, uh, I know you're in New Jersey, but is that uh, your native uh, city and state? Yes, I've always been a Jersey guy. I grew up in Maplewood. Uh, my my father uh, was a lawyer of some repute here once upon a time, and uh, I really never wanted to stray from New Jersey. I, I had my judicial clerkship here. I worked at the Morris County Prosecutor's Office for the state of New Jersey here, and I've worked at law firms in New Jersey only, although my work does take me all over the country and uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your your legal background and how you got interested in this topic uh, of senior and vulnerable and uh, investor financial protection. Probably the genesis, I would say, would be my work as a prosecutor there. We did a variety of investigations, including exploitation of uh, elder folks financially and physically. Um, And, you know, that was back in the late 80s. In terms of my interest in the securities business, I would say for more than 15 years I've been focused on it. And the genesis in the securities business uh, was a special project our firm was asked to do uh, for a large client uh, because it was in that time period, 2003, 2004, where there was an awareness of what it was going to mean for the baby boomer generation to be aging out of the workforce. Yeah. You know, tell me about uh, your firm itself. And uh, I understand you lead a group of uh, upwards of 20, 25 uh, attorneys. So Bressler uh, is a multi-service firm. Uh, we don't do everything that a you know 1,000 member firm does. Uh, we have about 170 attorneys operating in four states. Uh, one of the core groups at Bressler is the securities group, and that's the group that I've worked within since I joined the firm more than 13 years ago. Uh, we are nationally known for our securities arbitration and regulatory defense work. We represent only the financial services industry. We don't take cases against the financial services industry. 
And, uh, you know, I, I would say that in terms of countrywide, the depth of our bench is certainly among the top three of any firm in the country in our space. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, for our listeners, uh, just to define uh, what exactly is financial exploitation that, that, as you describe it, and is this a big problem? Well, the problem is large, and, and exploitation is defined uh, by statute and our uh, FINRA rules in, in different ways. But, you know, boiled down, it, it's just think of any kind of larceny uh, in the traditional sense where somebody is using their relationship or some fraud tactic in order to uh, essentially pick an investor's pocket and get access to their assets and and exploit that, uh, I'll say, weakness uh, for their own good. So exploitation can be defined in a lot of ways, but the easiest way to think about it is really it's not that much different than any theft, but the phenomenon that's the focus of the industry right now is um, at-risk, older, and vulnerable investors who just don't have the capacity to detect uh, that they're being exploited. And in terms of the size of the problem, uh, it's it's something that is widely believed to be underreported. Uh, I think statistics will say that it's about 25% of the time, if somebody's exploited, they'll report it. There's a lot of shame and embarrassment. And the and the dollar figure, the annual loss figure typically associated with exploitation is somewhere between 3 and $5 billion annually. So it's an enormous problem, and it's one that's going to only get greater again because of the demographic of the baby boom generation aging into their 60s, 70s, 80s. Well, that seems like a pretty big number, and... And uh, maybe the tip of the iceberg. As you're interacting with your clients, uh, the the financial firms that you uh, have relationships with, uh, what do you think are the primary issues that you see that need to have more attention? Well, what we preach to our clients and and our clients that are better prepared uh, are it's like preaching to the choir. They understand. I think investor education is one of the uh, real uh, primary uh, things to focus on because a lot of what happens happens because the the protected class, I'll say, of the at-risk investors doesn't believe that they will be the victim of fraud, even though they do believe the fraud is out there and exists, but they tend to believe that other people will be subject to the fraud and not them. Uh, and, and perhaps even worse, uh, if they were to have a suspicion, they tend not to suspect the people that are the likely culprits. And the statistics clearly show that 80 to 90 percent of the bad actors exploiting at-risk investors are known to the exploited person. So family, caretakers, guardians, uh, those sorts of people tend to be the bad actors because they have the opportunity and and apparently the motivation uh, to exploit the relationship they have with the investor. What kind of, uh, naturally this has probably been picked up uh, with some uh, legislators. Uh, What kind of responses are you seeing evolving here uh, dealing with this type of exploitation? So uh, the industry uh, has not 
rapidly adapted uh, to what is happening with the demographic, although it has certainly accelerated uh, the statutory and the rulemaking efforts have accelerated in the past five years. But uh, before 2010, I would say, there were no specific initiatives that relate to stopping transactions or disbursements that are believed to be suspicious and, and the result of exploitation. But since 2010, uh, many states have adopted laws, and now the federal government uh, and, and FINRA, the primary regulator for broker-dealers, uh, have, have adopted provisions that are meant to protect investors. So there's been an acceleration in rulemaking and legislation, uh, but it really wasn't done in earnest before 2010. Mm-hmm. And how about regulators? Uh, uh, where are they weighing in on these topics? Regulators uh, over the past two or three years, maybe four years, have clearly indicated that one of their priorities in examinations of firms and in terms of their enforcement resources is the protection of at-risk investors. So uh, every year, uh, for example, there are a, a list of priorities published, and for the past couple of years, state federal and self-regulatory organizations have all indicated that the top one, two, or three priority for them is to protect vulnerable investors. As you know, we've talked about this. Uh, you know, the, our podcast uh, uh, program isn't necessarily listened to by consumers. It's usually listened to by registered investment advisors or broker-dealers or licensed producers. Uh, what are some of the issues impacting uh, those, those retail advisors? Well, this is all of this rulemaking and legislation is really designed to help those client-facing people when they see a situation that they believe involves exploitation. It used to be they didn't have the tools, or if they did have the tools, they worried that by making a report of exploitation, they may be in violation of some privacy law. So these these rules are a help to the industry, even as they're a help to the investor. Uh, if I were to be giving advice to the client-facing people, it would be for them to brush up on the indicia of uh, dementia. Uh, I, would, I would be brushing up on indicia of unusual activity in an account. Uh, that sort of self-training and organized training, which is occurring at firms and which we do for firms, is the best way uh, for the client-facing people to be as aware as they can be of problems and try to mitigate problems when they see them. I mean, essentially what it boils down to is if you see something, say something. And these new laws provide cover for those uh, client-facing people if they see something. That's interesting. say something. Yeah. Now, are the companies or firms being audited? Are regulars going out and actually investigating what kind of procedures that the different uh, firms have in place? They are. Uh, for example, uh, the SEC just completed an, a review of 200 investment advisory firms and uh, published a piece on best practices for firms and indicated weaknesses that they saw uh, in the survey they did. Obviously, 200 is not an incredibly deep database, but they were able to draw some conclusions. 
we've written about this, and a lot of what the SEC recommended is what we've been telling clients for a while, which is investor education and client-facing training are the two core things to focus on to uh, help solve this problem. So in your experience, when you're uh, visiting with uh, client firms uh, to detect uh, and prevent these things, do you feel like they've got most of them are, are on top of this, that they've got adequate procedures in place, or are they got some shortcomings? Well, Dennis, as you know, I mean, with AD Banker, Bressler did a series of seminars, and one of the polling questions we asked during the seminar was whether the compliance professionals who were participating uh, in the webinar felt that their firm had adequate systems in place to prevent and detect exploitation. Uh, this, the responses imply to me that I would say the majority of the firms feel like they're generally prepared, uh, it, and I, I think it's hard for any firm to feel they're fully com- prepared because what fully prepared means is only going to be made manifest as time goes by and, and, the, and the legislators and the uh, regulators kind of define what adequately prepared is through regulatory action or litigation. But... By and large, what we see when we talk to our clients is most firms have the core concepts in place. Uh, they have, generally speaking, somebody designated to uh, uh, receive complaints if there's suspected exploitation. And where we see problems are in some of the particulars with the written supervisory procedures, uh, perhaps the escalation protocols to make sure the right person gets the right indication if something is seen to report. Um, but firms are definitely getting there. Yeah, yeah. Where do you think this is headed? Uh, you know, you've uh, would you like to pull out your crystal ball and kind of get a get a feel or forecast of where are we going with this? Well, there's no doubt it's going to get worse uh, because the numbers and just the opportunities are going to grow. I mean, the statistics of eleven thousand people every day turning sixty-five. Uh, and the implication, you know, 20 years from now, that means if they live that long, there's going to be another 11,000 people a day turning 85. So the problem is going to get worse, and I think the industry uh, owes it to itself, and I think the regulators and legislators owe it to themselves to work cooperatively because we all have the same goal, and that's to prevent exploitation. Nobody wants to see a client lose money to exploitation, and this really is one of the few areas where everybody's interest is identically aligned from the regulator to the legislator to the industry member to the lawyer advising the member to the investor themselves. We're all wanting to prevent exploitation. Yeah. You know, if you had just a 60 seconds kind of an elevator talk for uh, whether it's a retail advisor or a small broker dealer uh, or even the big ones, uh, and you just had a, a minute to communicate your thoughts, what would be your elevator talk about this topic and what they really ought to take to heart? Well, I think uh, what we're seeing is that people that tend to succeed the most are the people that know their client the best uh, because they are then in a position to detect something that's at variance with whatever the baseline relationship is, whether it's the ability for the client to recall or, or whether transactions seem like they're out of the ordinary. Um, when you really know your client, and that is one of the responsibilities for the client-facing people, when you really know your client, you can more easily detect something that is not consistent with past performance 
and that's when you escalate to your senior specialist to try to make sure that this is not an exploitation. Richard, I really thank you for being on our program today. It's been wonderful to hear more about this. You know, I don't think uh, we can get too much information about this because of uh, it's, uh, it's so common in the industry and we, we need to be aware of it. And uh, thank you for sharing your ideas and your expertise. And uh, uh, we just uh, appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Oh, hey, you're still here. Since you are, could we ask you a quick question? We would like to host a short interview with the most successful producers of your company. These short personal stories of success really help attract new people to the insurance and financial services industry. Just go to contact us at insuranceradio.com to submit your recommendation or referral for who we should interview next. Thank you.